Hey guys, welcome to episode 71 of the JV Club with my friend and guest, Etta Divine. I want to launch myself violently into some shout outs. Um, I have caught up, I think I've caught up fairly well on the shout outs. The only thing I will say is that Twitter... Uh, I'm. I, I feel like I've probably missed some some tweets about the JV Club in particular because of the tremendous amount of stuff I have been doing related to Cora recently. Um, as you guys probably know, a lot of my followers are Cora uh, fans, and so I've really been getting because of doing these conventions and stuff a ton of Cora tweets. And um, I think maybe some JV Club tweets have gotten lost in the shuffle. But I want you to know that I appreciate your contact via Twitter if you are a podcast. Fan. Um, I want to thank from the uh, Emma Bates, Nerdist Page, Joseph, and PJ. And Joseph, I need to give you a very special shout out and also advise uh, the listener to head to the JV Club Facebook page to check out the freaking awesome poster that Joseph hand delivered to me at Metricon in Florida. It is a Scott the dog toot and scoot guide. It's a wonderful poster. I lost my mind when it got sent. I also forwarded it to Chris Hardwick because as everyone knows, uh, he and I are still quite close and, uh, he is, um, Scott's, uh, erstwhile pop. He is not, um, in town very often, so he doesn't get to see Scott really, but, um, but he loved it. And I think he talked about it on the Nerdist podcast two years ago. So uh, just wanted to acknowledge that it's so awesome to see that stuff. Um, you know, anytime you guys send me visuals on anything, visual representation, as you know, from the Pinterest account, I just love being able to look at stuff that relates to the podcast. And so, you know, what a joy and a delight and, um, and so, so cute. That poster is so awesome. Uh, I love it. So anyway, that was a long uh, shout out to Joseph, but it was well earned as he braved quite a crazy uh, multi-thousand attended, uh, attended, I said that like English was my second language, um, con in in Florida. So thanks again for that, Joseph. Um, PJ also on the uh, Laura Keitlinger page. uh, Yes, you're the greatest Charlie Brown. Thank you. That is exactly what it is. That's the Charlie Brown reference that I made with Laura Keitlinger about him running that race in the wrong direction. Todd, thanks for your uh, comment on the on Laura's page. Uh, on the Nerdist site. Um, John, uh, so glad that you have um, amassed some more Anne of Green Gable fans uh, f- on behalf of all the other fans out there who love Anne. Uh, and I hope you get a chance to, re- to read A Wrinkle on Time. Um, Scott B., thanks for your info on George Clooney's Podbellied Pig. Uh, and Wooly Mammoth, I don't know what the other podcast Laura was talking about was, but I'll see if I can find out. Um, on the Facebook page, I want to thank new listener Maria P., who is uh, a Spaniard who has moved to England. And uh, thank you for your delightful message. Liz Q., Michelle, Ben, Rob, Allison B., thank you so much for your uh Facebook page. Actually, Allison B., you sent me an email, so um, apologies on that. But yes, uh, Allison B., thank you for your wonderful email. Hannah W., thanks for your email. Gotta, I've got to read that scan that you sent me. Caitlin M., such a joy to meet you in person at Comic-Con. Um, what a delight. Gabe M., I'm sorry to have fallen behind on emails with you. Jessica B., 
Uh, thanks for your email, uh, Carolina. I met you on the set of Warehouse 13, and I'm so delighted that you're listening to and enjoying the podcast. Robin, thanks for your email. Tammy, thanks for yours. Um, some new MASH stuff that I got to get into. Uh, and then Chris N., thanks for your email. See, guys, I got a lot of shout-outs in there. I've been doing my homework. I'm very excited. Um, and that's about it. I'm going to just go ahead and uh, segue right into this episode with the Marvelous Edit Divine. Um, you'll hear some more information about a project that she and I are working together, working on together that I hope to get you guys uh, engaged in in some way. And um, that's about it. I'm just, uh, I've been traveling so much. I've fallen behind in um, logging episodes of the of the podcast so that I have a bunch ready to just fire out. So I'm doing some serious catch up where I'm trying to wedge in podcasts at least once a week so that I continue to send them out to you guys. Thanks again. And um, I'm going to wrap it up with that. Now entering Nerdist.com. going to play the music i already have a great voice oh yeah i don't do that (laughs) yeah i don't do that that's yeah some people do do that huh i guess to like get everybody in the in the mood i think it's only when it's like in a radio yeah world i don't know though now that you say that i do feel like i've done podcasts where they have definitely played the theme song to me right but it could have just be added in in post. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. a really good question. <laughs> do you feel un, do you feel unready now? Do we, I don't know. Do we need I feel to like the song? I should hear some shout outs. Yeah, like... I, yeah, it's true because you <laughs> listen to the podcast too. So this right. is very meta. Well, sometimes because and you said before that you feel weird listening to your friend's podcast. Oh and yeah. So do I. Yeah. It's really weird. But so I won't listen to it for like four months, and I'll be like, oh, I'm a jerk, and then I'll listen. Oh, to a bunch well, of them. yeah. So I like totally I was just listening it. to you and Jessica Makinson and then I ran into her on the street and I was like, I, I just, I, I just, just talked to talk you. To you. <laughs> I know that's how I feel too yeah. with, with not just the, yeah, with not just the podcast, but anything like that, whenever it's kind of nice in a way, I guess, to feel like you're connected to people that you don't see because yeah. of the business that we're in, like you still sort of feel related mm-hmm. to them in some way. But it's also like... I don't like, have to talk to you if I can <laughs> listen to you in my pocket. Listen, you don't have to worry about the real me and all of my annoying habits if well, you're then, just listening to my annoying habits on the podcast. Then there was a time I was listening to your podcast oh, and you came right, up behind me and I that's was really right. confused. Yeah, we were shooting we were shooting this short in Tucson and, uh, and I saw Etta behind me and she was, I was pulling up into the, the like resort that we were staying at when we were shooting this thing and... Um, and I totally scared her. Like, I didn't yeah. know if she was listening to something. And I came up behind her and she was like, oh, God, I was just listening to you and Susan Orlean. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun shoot. It was it fun was. to have you it guys cool. in my hometown. Yeah. Um, it's a nice place. That's not bad. It wasn't too hot, but it still did get really hot. Yeah. Memory serves. Um, so, guys, just uh, a little bit of info on um, on how Etta and I know each other. We went to college together at San Francisco State University. We've known each other for probably 10 years, maybe more. Probably I have more. no idea. I would say 10 I don't, I'm not good with years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I've known you since you started dating Gabe. Right, right. And you guys have been together uh, for 13, like... 13, 
13 or 12. Yeah. So no, I'm not known good with that. Years. I mean, I've known you that long because I knew Gabe before right. that. And so that creeps me out too. Cause that means I've known him that long and longer. Um, but we went to school together. I always like to say to anyone that I'm in a room with who doesn't know Etta when Etta is there and when she's not there, that she's one of the smartest people I know. Oh, um, and that I have very fond memories of, and I don't remember a lot of my classes at SF State, but I do remember the theater history class that yeah. I had that Camille taught, um, who has since passed away. She was a wonderful professor and human being. And um, Etta was one of her teaching assistants. And um, and you taught one of the lectures one day. And it was like as good <laughs> as or better than anything Camille had done uh, from an informational point of view. And you're very comfortable up there. Oh, thank and- you. Uh, it was a delight. Um, she was a delight. She was a delight. Yeah. She was really just one of those teachers that really, one of those professors that really impacted people and had, she just had this presence. Like you could, like, I was just talking about this with, um, I guess Laura Keitling or maybe she was talking about Samuel L. Jackson and how Mm -hmm. she saw him in real life. And he just had such a a presence and a carriage about him. The magic people, the magic people. And I was speculating, like, do you get that after you become famous or do you already have some people get that afterwards? Cause they're aware of themselves differently, but some people have that, whether they're famous or not, they just have that presence. And she did have, she was a magic person. I think she may have worked on being a magic person. Cause she was so, um, focused on like self-improvement and yeah and you know doing things and and she used she was a dancer with the martha graham studio so the way yeah just her whole way of carrying herself and her body was like a performance but not not in like an obnoxious way like if she were a person who was unlikable she would be annoying that's true if she had been a sketch (laughs) she would have been annoying you're absolutely right but she yeah she was lovely but she was just yeah it's true it's like she was so over the top she was a kook in the character but she was authentically that person Mm -hmm. and so that just makes all the difference and i think that's also why you buy into really great acting when people are playing characters right is you kind of feel like it's so real that they're embodying it so much that you just accept that it's somehow that becomes lovable and okay. Well, and as an actor, when you make a, a big choice like that, you know, there's always, in the back of my mind anyway, it's like, can I get away with this? <laughs> I was going to buy this. <laughs> At the Groundlings, everyone. Right. Um, but yeah, she. the one thing that I remember her saying that was one of those things that, at the time, I was like extremely atheistic and completely a-spiritual altogether. Um, and one time in class, she was talking about something, you'll totally remember this, I'm sure, and she was like, but I believe that we're descended from angels or something like that. And I remember rolling my eyes like she was my mom, like, right. oh boy, here we go. <laughs> but what's funny is that after she died, that really came back to me. Like it came back to me and I was like, well, I hope she's right. And like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, there's just sort of like, there's a softening of that. And for me, there's been an emotional softening of my own kind of feelings about other people's faiths and I'm stuff. still a big eye roller, but I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I make it not literal when people yeah. I really like say things like that. Yeah. <laughs> but she probably literally meant it. Yeah, she probably it. literally meant it. Yeah. But that, but I always love like, I guess what that goes, because, because I know that you are a huge proponent of science and kind of the, isn't, isn't the magic of science enough. Absolutely. And, and yeah. And I was thinking about that with, you know, that Joni Mitchell song Woodstock that Crosby Stills Nash and Young also covered, but where she says we're stardust. It's literally I mean, true. It, yeah, that's like, a, and it's very Neil Gaiman also, yeah. right? But it is a lovely, that's pretty lovely in and of itself, yeah. regardless of anything else. The universe is way magical enough. Yeah. So. 
So yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. What can you do? You remember what your um, presentation on what? Like what? Do you, what? What historical? Uh, it was probably theatrical just, thing um, you talked about placing. Uh, like giving a theatrical context for women in medieval history, like what their roles were and stuff like that. And because, you know, obviously Western society is extremely patriarchal, but there were times when, uh, before, you know, the church got super patriarchal, that it was a very different world. And, and, uh, there were some parts in history where women did have more agency. And, you know, I think we lose a lot of that in the, in the modern you know, teaching of, of history. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to be honest. I got to out myself right now and admit to something that I guarantee you, whatever, 60% of the male, like since it's, I have so many male listeners who consistently come up Boys to me. Yeah. So listen to the show. They should also take ballet classes because that is where you get the lady. Oh, that is uh, very <laughs> yeah. true. If you're a straight man, just look at Mikhail, but Rishnikov mm-hmm. and he's like four foot two. Yeah. Um, uh, I got to out myself and say, um, and by the way, yes, every guy that comes up to me to say that they like my podcast always says, I know I'm not your target audience. And I'm always like, I, you totally are. There is no target audience yeah. anymore. There are certain pieces of advice that I would like to gear towards the younger woman listener, kind of. But the, yeah, there's no like, right. you guys are sneaking into this podcast, <laughs> even though you're not supposed to be here. That's definitely not the case at all. Having said all of that. I am listening to Naomi Wolf's latest book on audio tape. Uh-huh. Audio tape. It's not a tape. It's a uh, <laughs> MP3 that I play on my phone, my smartphone. I do live in 2013. Um, it's called Vagina. Oh. I was reading about, I read an article about it like on HuffPost or something. And I was like, there is no way I'm ever going to read a book called Vagina. Like it's right. too much. It's too much of a comedy <laughs> buzzword and I'm too embarrassed. And then I was reading about it and I was like, you know what? I, you know what? I'm, I, I think I thought I would listen to this or read it, whatever, ironically. Now I'm just really interested in what the book's about. And I don't even know. I'm like wondering if the audiobook has a, a synopsis because I don't think that I can do it any kind of justice at all in terms of describing what it's about. It's, it's all of the above. Um, essentially she, I should just, I wish I could just, this is why comedians are assholes. I wanted to ask if it was scratch and sniff. I I know. I, Oh, I just almost started playing it. Yeah. It's scratch and sniff at a, see, we're all going to go to hell. I wish that this was, that I had a good, this doesn't have like an, an info thing, but basically long story short, she, she started having, decreasing and decreasing and decreasing sensation with her orgasms. Mm -hmm. And she also said that she had this very, she used to have a very profound feeling when she would have some orgasms. Um, Listen, if there are any younger listeners listening and, or their parents are thinking that they shouldn't be listening to this, I don't really know what to say because we've talked about a lot more uh, juicy stuff than this, but that she would have this feeling of profound connection with the universe or with Mm -hmm. her creativity and her self-esteem and all this kind of stuff that made her feel it's the, it's definitely the dopamine, but the, but that where it was hitting that part of her brain, it was much more about, um, emotional and and intellectual creativity and stimuli and the feeling the oxytocin yeah. um yeah and the feeling of connectedness yeah mm-hmm. exactly uh and she would have it not just about her partner but she would have it about the world and she would have it about her work and hmm. she would feel very inspired and connected in that way and that what that completely died 
And so she was terrified. And so she was like, is this, you know, she was so afraid that she was just going to be told this is an emotional problem. And it turned out that she had a a spine injury that was essentially crumbling her lower vertebrae. And the lower vertebrae were compacting her pelvic nerve. And there was a very literal physical reason that she was not able to have these same orgasms. And it was because her back was like collapsing on her. And so she has now like metal work in her, in her (laughs) back. Um, so that needed to be corrected anyway. And the way that she found out about it was through her sex life, which is so interesting. And then those types of orgasms came back, but she became fascinated during the course of all of this research and her own personal experience in coming to understand the connection between quite frankly, the nerves and, and your whole like sort of sexual experience in your vagina specifically and your brain. Wow. And, um, and so she goes into all, there's chapters on the science of it. There's chapters on the history of the vagina. There's chapters on the idea of, um, subjugation and specifically rape as a means of keeping a gender down because, um, it's a, because psychologically, she speaks of a rape as being, and again, I like this is why I said like all the guy view listeners or all the girl listeners who are like feminism or like ooh vaginas. Come on, haven't we all talked about it enough? I think that every time I start a new, a new chapter, every time I start listening to him, I'm like, here I go again with a and vagina. Then you're book. right in there, and then I'm right in there um, because it's this because she talks about like you know the fact that um, these 12 and 13 year old quote unquote soldiers who are essentially tortured and forced into being soldiers in foreign countries um third world countries who are then forced to um essentially mutilate the genitals of the women in the conquered areas that it is more than an individual psychological like we're raping and pillaging the way everyone always has that it is like you will be you will be defeated emotionally and intellectually because there's such a link not just to like a, like a psychological, it's not like a psychological, like, oh, I had this trauma, like a normal trauma. It's like a completely special different trauma. trauma. It's a special trauma that ties your sexuality and your yeah. brain together in this very, very specific way. That's it's cool. just fascinating. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I'm not saying I agree with every single thing that she says in it, but it's very, it is very provocative and it does um, really make you think. And guys, for those of you who are interested, it's also there's a lot about giving sexual pleasure to a woman and how much better your sex life is if you are pleasuring your right. your partner. This is purely on a heterosexual level. And she also says definitively, I am I am talking about heterosexual women because I am a heterosexual woman and I consider this a bit of an autobiography or a biography of heterosexual vaginas to a degree. Not and she's like I, it's, I don't in any way mean to isolate any other group. But they deserve their own books. It's just a different conversation. Um, But yeah, so there's like, it's just really interesting. And you hear the word vagina like every, I mean, you are so tired of the word (laughs) vagina. Desensitized to it. There's a, uh, they used to think before like 18th, 19th century that a woman had to orgasm in order to conceive. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. there was all this, uh, you know, her royal majesty needs to be pleasured in this way, you know, because, you know, primogenitor and whatnot. There's a really cool book um, with some questionable scholarship called Holy Anorexia. Oh, and it's about all the... um, the uh, early female Christian saints who uh, 
they this 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 woman postulates that they were um, anorexics, and that was a way to control um, your world and and make yourself special because if you were seeing visions of Jesus and telling people about it, you're special. And even if it gets you burnt at the stake, it's just a way to break out of you know the completely agencyless life that a lot of these women had. And yeah. and her her theory is really interesting because. Um, all the things that that go on with someone who's severely anorexic, um, and the idea of of purity that was so um, just strong in, in in the later church, and uh, you know not eating and controlling yourself, and then well, seeing and also, visions because you're so hungry. And by the way, nothing kills your sex appetite faster than starving yourself. Right. right. So all the nuns, everything shuts down. Yeah. All the quote unquote unnecessaries right. shut down. And so you have no desire for sex because your body couldn't take it if you had it mm-hmm. because you're dying. Yeah. You're killing yourself by starving to death. And they would have these visions and, and you know, be special. <laughs> oh, wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. I knew you would come with a wealth of information <laughs> that I would love. Um, so I just don't know how to keep my mouth shut is my problem. No, good. Someone will say something about something and I'll know something about it and I can't shut up. So it's so good. You're so good. I have, I have few friends who are like that, but I always walk away feeling like I didn't waste my time. And I don't, what am I saying? Like I, like I spent time with someone who's not like you and I feel like I've wasted my time. That's fair. That's You're, fair. There's just a bonus. There's an icing on the cake that comes with hanging out with you. That is like, it's like you don't just spend time with a friend. You spend time with a friend and you feel like you've gotten a little bit smarter. Oh, there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with people who don't do that in my life. I want to be very clear on that, on that matter, but always bring a fact uh, to hang out with Janet. Please do, or I will feel it's a waste of time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so Etta and I've known each other since then uh she is uh, the partner of my dear friend gabe diani who i've also brought up on the podcast before um we were in a sketch group together and uh and gabe and edda continue to work together in in life and in love um and uh and, and janet was in our movie and i was in their movie She's the selling great. which i've talked about before it's something i'm so incredibly proud of being a part of i always uh i mean i just can't say enough good things about it um gabe and edda our star in it and wrote it and produced it and essentially found out like baptism by fire just to take along the religious uh, similes um, (laughs) and metaphors that um, producing an independent movie is hard. One of the circles of hell. Foolish. Um, but they did, you did it. And it yeah. went to a million festivals and it garnered a bunch of awards. I just like to be able to say Garner. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of James Garner. I love James Garner also. <laughs> Anything I can do to associate with him is great. Um, and now you're going to be working on another one. Yeah. Hopefully I'm going to be in yeah, also. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the selling guys, you've got to see it. Why don't you tell them? I'm sure you're tired of talking about it, but um, uh, just for anybody who hasn't heard me talk it. about it before. Um, if, yeah. you, if you make a movie and you go to a lot of festivals, you'll get real sick of your movie real fast. <laughs> um, it's about a real estate agent trying to sell a haunted house. Um, it's sort of got the feeling of like Shaun of the Dead or Ghostbusters, that kind of um, that kind of fun, scary movie that you can watch and enjoy as a child or as an adult. Yeah. And it's a movie that no one's making anymore. Other great classic films too, (laughs) that are sort of, you get to be kind of be on the inside of that because you, you'll know some of the references that get made. And Janet's one of my favorite characters. She's the, the nasty real estate agent. I love that character. (laughs) It sucks that I enjoy playing. I mean, it doesn't suck, but I really do enjoy playing like questionably 
like well, questionable I like, moral I mean, she's not characters. evil, but she. I just like that she... Um, it's like too much work to be evil yeah, for her. It's yeah. like too much of a fuss to be evil. It's just whatever's the shortest cut. She has different cut. priorities. <laughs> yeah, whatever is the shortest cut to was, Jesus or otherwise. Yeah. And it was really important to me that she... The bulimia thing in mm-hmm. it, which I don't know that a lot of people catch, but I feel like it, it just explains her perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, so. it, that's you're exactly right. That's yeah. a perfect shortcut. Even right there, it's like mm-hmm. I want you. She literally wants to have her cake and not have and, and right. not gain weight. Um, and <laughs> well, she's figured, she's figured out that. how. Yeah, we do all want that, but she's. I guess she's figured out how to do it in a way that I can't because I can't stand throwing up. Yeah, just can't stand. Throwing I feel like up. it's a really easy solution to all my problems, and I just am not. <laughs> I don't have enough willpower to make it happen. As all of the girls <laughs> who have listened to this podcast, and maybe some guys too, who have had eating disorders, please know that of course we're making uh, light of a situation, um, a horrible situation, a horrible, horrible situation, and uh, and no one's saying it's the answer to no. our problems. <laughs> um, it would be really about representing. Uh, a feeling of lack of control about right. every problem that we have in life, not just eating. Because who needs teeth, right? Because who needs teeth? I think that too. It's like, oh, I I get worried when my voice is hoarse, like if I have like acid reflux or yeah. if I ride my bike too hard and my voice gets husky like it has been getting because I rode this morning. Um, much less the idea of like burning. I just feel like I'd burn a hole in my nose or throat. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but it's not about that. I mean, it's really not as simple as like, well, it's just that I love food and I don't no. want to get fat. It's, it, it has <laughs> it's to be, not. it takes a lot of other stuff that has to be playing a, a factor to, to go that route. And guys, I want you to know that I'm very well aware of that. Um, like people who cut just need a little less skin. Exactly. Like it's like, me, it's like saying that you're exactly right. That's a very good way of putting it. Um, so making another movie. Um, but, uh, Diani and Divine Meet the Apocalypse. It's called Diani and Divine Meet the Apocalypse. It is uh, a, a ver- another very funny movie. And what I love about the script of this one is that, I mean, when people say, write what you know, <laughs> they could have been talking about this script, not that the apocalypse is something that you've experienced, but the way that you just kind of air out what what relationships are like right in a very funny way in a very relatable way is like one of the things i'm so excited to see on screen yeah it was really hard to decide how much to put in and like you don't want to look like a jerk or have the other person look like a jerk even if sometimes they're a jerk but i think that's (laughs) but that's what i mean there have got to be things that you that you were like, we don't really want to leave this in, but let's see what happens if yeah. we leave this in. And I, of course, couldn't make it to the read-through, but m- my guess would be, based on my own experience reading it, is that like that's where a lot of the real payoff is because there mm-hmm. is the sense of, oh my, like relief. Like, oh my God, I'm so glad that they willingly said this because it's too close to not be some version of their relationship because right. it's like we know you, yeah. but it, but it's universal. It's it's totally representative. You're not the only two people in love and struggling with the difficulty of being who you are and being together. Everyone right. is that's in a relationship and feels that. And it's hard to know, like since it's yourself, you assume it's boring. And you know, like I want to know these details about other people. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, listening to podcasts, it's ninety percent like you know, listening to someone else's navel gazing and I love it. Right, right. But, you know, oh, no one wants to hear about this, you know, and it's me, but they do. But they did. And, and we, our process is really arduous and horrible and we do lots and lots of read throughs for our scripts and we figured we were um, in a really early, in an early way with the script and everyone was like, shoot it, shoot it. So yeah. we're, we're not trusting that entirely yet, but 
we've heard that a lot. And so hopefully, I think, yeah, I think it, good. I think it makes sense too. And I think that that's, I mean, I know that when we were shooting the selling, we had zero time right. because of the money situation, but there is something so it's just a different kind of a movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it, there's room for it to be a little bit less polished, polished. Yeah. That's the that idea. It should it's be. quick and dirty. We're hoping to shoot with two cameras and, and, uh, you know, just go out and get it made. But that's one of the, and, and, and you guys know that I've, I think I've maybe on one episode and then follow up on like maybe one other episode. I said, you know, if you guys ever want to donate to, um, my PayPal account just to help like put together a budget for t-shirts, which by the way, don't worry, they are happening. <laughs> um, uh, and stuff like that. Otherwise I haven't really fundraised at all, but, um, I've been wanting to have Ed on the podcast for a long time as she knows. Um, and this is a really good opportunity for us to get the word out too, because when we talk about making an independent movie, we are literally saying like nobody is backing this right. except the people. So they, and we're going to be doing a Kickstarter. Soon, yeah. So there's so. been a Kickstarter campaign. So I'm going to be talking about that a little bit, guys, because I really believe in this project, and um, and I am so proud to have done the selling, as I said before. And they also have had a successful Kickstarter campaign in the past, which I'll let you also tell them about because it's one of my favorite things in life. Oh, the Huck Finn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there's a, you know, obviously a lot of controversy about Huck Finn and, uh, anyone who's read it knows that it's ridiculous, but, um, there's a publisher in called new South books, which just tells you everything you need to know that wanted to replace the N word with slave. And in order to make it more palatable and to keep the book in schools and keep it from being banned for its 214 some uses of the N word. And um, we thought that was ridiculous um, because censoring something to show that censorship is wrong is silly. So we did a uh, a sort of a a tongue-in-cheek Kickstarter campaign to replace the N-word with robot in Huck Finn. (laughs) And and it got out of hand and uh, went a little viral and we did much more than we'd intended and ended up making this really beautiful hardback book that... um, where we, you know, replaced any mention of Jim's humanity. Um, so his eyes is optical lens and he eats coal tar instead of cornbread and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, redid all the original illustrations um, to replace people of color with robots. And, um, you know, it's as brilliant. A, it's kind of amazing. It's so brilliant. I my just my mom did the, my... did the illustrations and, and they're really good. It's so cool. You guys, that is another thing that I'm so proud of. And, and you know, this is, this is a world in which it's very hard to just follow your own voice and kind of create your identity for yourself as a creative artist without getting backing from people. And that's what the beautiful thing is about the way things can get made now on something like Kickstarter. And, um, and so everyone can be a little tiny Medici and exactly. make what they want to have happen happen. Exactly. So. Now let's go back. I'm going to take it back. Okay. We're 20, we're 25 in. I'm going to take it back to, uh, I happen to know where you grew up, mm-hmm. but, um, I would love to, uh, acquaint the listener with your background. We can find out how and where you became so, uh, learned <laughs> And uh, that you, I do where your thirst for knowledge comes from, Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your uh, your upbringing, particularly, obviously, getting into your adolescence. And- right. Um, well, I'm from Chico, California, which is about two hours north of Sacramento. It's a uh, party school. Yes, party school. Um, like a hundred thousand people drinks one percent of the nation's alcohol. Is that true? I think I don't know oh, if it's still amazing. true, but it's a real. I'm giving you some more room crazy. in case you want to sit oh, down more. Right. Um, and. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a college town in the midst of agriculture and 
And so there's um, and what do your lots parents of different do? kinds of people. Uh, my dad's a greenhouse technician at Chico State, mm-hmm. and uh, my mom's a biological illustrator. So yeah, let's just spend a little more time on that. <laughs> so and then your fa- and then are your you and then your your entire family as it existed when you were a teenager is the, is them together, right? And then you and um, I have have a brother who was born when I was thirteen, but basically my parents have two only children. So. Right, correct. <laughs> yeah, they just have two separate. Yep. Separate but equal, only yeah. children. Um, what, uh, so how much of, because, I mean, I already know the answers to this, but how much of your parents, like when you say that, there's no surprise there to me, probably as there right. was no surprise when I explained what my parents did. Um, you know, some people stray so far off, like the minds of their parents or the interests right. of their parents. Um, obviously, your your interest in agriculture, horticulture, um, insects and so forth, you can kind of trace directly. What about the kind of performing artistic creative side of you? Um, I don't know that. I mean, you know, I think my mom did plays when she was in high school and stuff, but I think that was, um, probably mostly me. Um, my parents have always been supportive, but not pushy. Mm -hmm. So -hmm. like I could do, you know, what I wanted within reason, but there was no, gosh, wouldn't that be great if they'd like made me a baby model or something? Right. <laughs> It'd be so much further in my career. A baby model. Oh my God. It's really a shame. That would have been a very different life for you. Yeah. What did your parents, did your parents take you to do stuff? Like, did, were you exposed to sort of the stuff that they were passionate about from a very young age? Yeah. Um, they, uh, like I would always be the only kid at like board meetings for the California Native Plant Society and stuff like that. <laughs> Big surprise. And I would be like two. And I think my mom worked at the Chico Nature Center. And I remember being like a tiny little person and, you know, talk like showing people the snakes and stuff and having older women be like, it's a snake. And just being so contemptuous of that. Like, I am a two foot tall, tiny person with a, you know, rosy, an endangered rosy boa around my neck. And you are a ridiculous person. (laughs) I love it snobby <laughs> yeah very snobby, snobby kid. Na- naturally snobby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so and um yeah i mean there was just a lot of that kind of thing we would go to lectures um you know as an only child like i think in the 80s and 90s you know there wasn't such the helicopter parent thing but like they weren't going to get a babysitter i wasn't disruptive so they would just bring me to these things and i think that's cool. And I, and I don't know I how much agree. that happens anymore. I feel like that's something that people talk about. And now I'm just like anecdotally speaking about something I haven't even witnessed per se, but that's something that I remember hearing about even like in the nineties and stuff, people talking about European parents versus American parents. Right. And that like, you know, if you live in Amsterdam or if you live in Berlin or whatever, your parents take you to stuff. They really take you along with them everywhere and you're a part of their adult life. Right. There's the whole thing about French kids going to restaurants and how they're fine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That you're just, you're a lot, there isn't this kind of door that slams shut when you're a kid to the grown up world that then gradually opens for you as you get older, that you're, you, you, yeah, you're expected to behave appropriately and you're in turn given these opportunities to kind of be in the grown up world, so to speak with your, with your parents that kind of fosters your, development in a different way and your uh, your willingness and and capability of dealing with adults in a completely different way and you know i feel like that's something that 
I experienced to a degree also is, yeah. is having that comfort in those kinds of environments. Was there ever a time when that wasn't cool to you? Like, did you ever go through a phase where you're like, oh, mom and dad are so square? <laughs> well, I mean, I think every kid thinks that. But um, I mean, I always appreciated that. And I didn't like other kids. Like I had friends in school and stuff like that. But like, like kids just bother, like, ugh, kids bothered me. <laughs> So it's not even like when parents say just because you love your own baby doesn't mean that you're going to love everyone else's. You Just because you were a child. Doesn't mean you have to like yeah. children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's something so Dickensian about that or something. The sort of like right? self-awareness of being a child even as a child. Like yeah. this isn't for me. Looking around, this really isn't for well, me. Jackasses like yeah. causing trouble and, you know, being annoying. And, and there was definitely that... Um, like you've talked about bullying a lot and, and, you know, definitely, um, like in sixth grade, I think, you know, I, I remember I was reading, I was reading, um, a brief history of time by Stephen Hawking and I had it on my desk. When you and were in sixth grade, <laughs> don't even try to gloss over that. And, but like kids would come over and be like, who's this retard? It's like, yeah. do you, you, you're, you're calling Stephen Hawking. Okay. I'm done yeah. with you. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and like, just like, you know, them having that power over you of, of being in the same room when you don't even want to be there, you know? And, yeah. and so that was, that was tough. Thrust but. into socializing the way school can feel like a prison. Right. Sometimes. Um, and so when you were in high school, what were your kind of interests, your personal interests and, and, you know, where did you have friendships kind of come in where there was an overlap and there was like mutual interests versus right. like things that you love to just go do by yourself. Well, my friends later in high school were all super smart, really interesting. Um, I, I did a lot of plays. I was constantly doing through two or three plays at a time. So I had all those friends too. And, um, and so that was good. I mean, I really liked those people and I still like them. So that was different from earlier. <laughs> but what happens when too? not to interrupt, but what happens when, you're 13 and your mom's like, guess what? We're, that you're going to have a ba- the, uh, like. I was not pleased. Been, right? And it's really awkward, like being a 14 year old walking around with a one year old and everyone looks at you. Like it's your baby. It's your baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting. And so was he an accident? Oh, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. And so did you feel like a real, sh- I mean, did that completely upend your world or were you kind well, of. Yeah, just because having to take care of him and stuff like that. But. I mean, basically, I mean, they did a really good job with still, you know, taking me to things. And I was really starting to to do more stuff, more plays and things like that. So I was able to get away. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because I can't imagine going from only child. to I mean, I can't really can't wrap my head around it at all when I think about that. Obviously, cause my parents weren't together and hadn't been forever when I was 13 or 14. But um the idea of suddenly being responsible for like uh, when other girls are off going to babysit right by choice, just because that's a way of earning money to somehow have that responsibility. Well, also my parents never really in. went anywhere. So there wasn't a <laughs> lot. I mean, I definitely like would watch him if they were going to Costco or something, but I mean, there wasn't a lot of events. They're not eventy people. Yeah. So, but the stuff that they would have taken you to when you were little, like right. going to that stuff. Yeah, he didn't they, do it. Yeah. Well, he was more trouble. So, got it. <laughs> gotcha. He didn't do that stuff. And how did he evolve differently? Was he? Are you guys really different from one another? Yeah, yeah, very. Not to make you tell his story. No, but, I mean, like, yeah. yeah, very. I mean, he's 
he, I don't know what he's interested in. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Two only children. Um, yeah, he got an Amazon gift card for Christmas. He's like, what do they even sell on Amazon? Whoa. Like, oh, gosh. Wow, that's something that everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> from all walks of life. It's like, what do you, I don't know what he does. Interesting. You know? like, so. Interesting. <laughs> what do um, they even sell on Amazon? Yeah, that's really, really weird. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever met that. Maybe if you were like 60 yeah, years old. That's what I'm. Yeah. And where does he live? Uh, in Chico. He does. He stayed in Chico. Yeah. But I remember like when he was like 13 or something, he was like, oh, I really like, I don't even remember what stupid band it was. Someone horrible. I was like, oh no, this is not standing. So I would like send him like burn CDs of like the Smiths and stuff. So I, I did a little. Did he respond? Like, <laughs> yeah, he, he did, did like that. Okay, that's but, good. So that was like the only <laughs> That's good. That That's something. Responded to. That's something. And how was it for you growing up too? In like, a, sorry, I'm going to grab this foam roller because all of the travel Roll away. All of the travel. I think I'm going to have to do a little of the old like lying down, looking at you with my neck resting on this roller for a second. That's cool. Um, going to a college that, or living in a town that is like a. I got to be able to see you though. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Hello, there she is. Going to a town that is like living in a town that is that is primarily known for drinking from the outside yeah from the outside it's known as that so on the inside is it known as that and yeah i mean there's definitely a lot of that um but i mean i felt like in high school i was always in really safe situations and you know there was you know a ton of drinking absolutely was there a lot of crossover into the university population like young girls dating college guys or i mean i socialized with college people because i was doing plays but is that like so they were all how are they so you were doing plays that were like more community yeah yeah. okay with adults okay and um and so that was i mean we definitely like thinking back now i'm like oh that might have been a little inappropriate sometimes Uh (laughs) but like it was never an unsafe situation like i knew everyone and they were all you know trustworthy you know there was no steubenville like things happening or anything yeah. like that. So I think, you know, I don't know what kind of ideal it, like situation that was, but definitely when I got into college and everyone who hadn't been doing that stuff in high school went nuts, yeah. I kind of stepped back and was like, oh, this is not, yeah. <laughs> this is not safe. I'm not participating in this. I would rather be at home watching Law and Order than at this stupid <laughs> bar flirting with jackasses who yeah. I have no interest in talking to. Yeah, and so yeah. Is, was that when you talk about those people was that did you go did you go to sf state right away or did you start you did so you definitely knew you wanted to not go to chico state oh absolutely and i would have yeah okay and i would have gone to somewhere um like usc or you know like i'd love to have tried nyu or something like that but that was just financially yeah you were pragmatic like i was and the thing about san francisco state is you anyone who any teacher who wants to live there um, is going to be, you know, really good because, you know, there's Stanford and there's Berkeley and there's all these things. But, you know, if you are a teacher and you want to live in the Bay Area and you haven't gotten that job at Stanford or Berkeley yet, you know, you're going to teach at San Francisco State. That's so true. We got like some the, really good hand me Yeah, the caliber of teachers there was really high. And I definitely had That's a had really people, good point. I guess I hadn't thought about it that way yeah, before. I definitely had people who, like, would get to do one class at Stanford and then they'd come and teach. and yeah. So I think, you know, you get out of it what you put in. There were people at my graduation for the theater department who I'd never seen. And I would spend 80 hours a week in that building. So if I didn't see you, you weren't doing anything. Yeah, no kidding. 
So where were they? I don't know. I don't know where they were, what they were doing. I kind of, I mean, I felt a little bit like that because I was working. I had to work so much, and it really was like a commuter right. well, school for me. Well, and you like me. came back and and I yeah I, and yeah like I I was there for a while and then I <clears throat> left to take I a full time job. But yeah, we saw each <laughs> other. You're right. Who were these people? Because by the time I got there, I had like no sense of the performing side of right. it really because I was just like I had already cleaned up as many you know all of those kinds of credits from my other school. Mm -hmm. So I was just doing the kind of behind the scenes stuff and the history and all that. And then everything else was like whatever general requirements I had. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, and that's a, that, that really is kind of going from like small town party school world to like big city. Mm -hmm. Not that it's huge, but it is a different, definitely different. Had you spent much time going to San Francisco before you moved there? No, no. I mean, I'd definitely been there, but yeah, yeah, it was completely different. Did you fall in love with the city when you first went? I did, but it was also a really different place back then. Like when I go now, I always get angry about how nice it is. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like it was really still like crime ridden. This was before um what's his hat mayor? Willie Brown? Yeah, before Willie Brown. Hat mayor. <laughs> Okay, hey, hat mayor. Hat mayor. You As he hears himself about. described that way and is like, I did my job. Yeah. People knew I loved hats. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> but um, I left my stamp. <laughs> so so he was, you know, like just starting out. or And so it was still really like none of the new infrastructure along the Embarcadero or in Soma or any of that had happened yet. Like, you you know, the Tenderloin was, you know, full, still full of, you know, vials of heroin and oh, stuff yeah. like that. And so it was a much more dangerous um city than it is now yeah i feel like people going now can just like jump around and get their artisanal coffee and it like, is definitely have it's a definitely changed yeah my own neighborhood changed so much after i while i lived there for that nine years and then after i left and now i come back and i do sort of have this like i mean there's still lots of i mean it is really it's definitely one of those cities where and I'm sure I've talked about this on the podcast before, but the difference between how much you're going to interact with everyone in the population in a city like New York or in San Francisco is so different than a place like Los Angeles where you just aren't going to be, you're probably not going to be in your own neighborhood seeing a real cross section unless you live in a neighborhood like you do, which you Mm -hmm. do have a really nice cross section. You have a good, that's kind of a San Francisco-esque neighborhood um but when i moved down here neither of the places that i've lived have been anything other than like neighborhoods kind of removed from the city right and and the way that it feels when i first came down here i was in koreatown Mm -hmm. when i was you know couch surfing i guess i only surfed on one couch (laughs) i didn't stay anywhere except one place but it was a couch (laughs) yeah i did i really did what a skill um but it is just different to like, is Chico like that? Does Chico have a lot of, do you feel like you were engaging with like, you know, blue collar working yeah. folk and like, you know, crack addicts? Absolutely. And- um, there's the, you know, the conservative farmers who want to destroy the meadow foam, um, which is an endangered flower. Um, there's, um, you know, hippies. Yeah. There's the people who still have Oklahoma accents from when their grandparents came over in the thirties. Mm-hmm. And there's the academics. And so it's a very, and, and then, you know, there's a lot of, um, like ethnically, there's a lot of Mexican, um, farm workers, obviously, cause mm-hmm. it's California. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, in the early eighties, um, the Hmong who are, uh, uh, people from Northern Cambodia, they, that, um, were running from the Khmer Rouge, 
believe oh if i get that wrong that's embarrassing um but they by the way yeah <laughs> listen i think you've already proven yourself to be quite bright so i'm pretty sure it was the Khmer Rouge they were running from um and uh and the u.s relocated them to chico and oh. i think minnesota <laughs> like those two places. places yeah and so there's this um large monk population and um and so I went to school with a lot of those kids who, you know, didn't remember the horrible, hideous massacres of their family. Sure. <laughs> but there's um, a really cool, they, like they've gotten um, really into farming. And so our farmer's market is these brilliant uh, Hmong farmers who used to work the fields of Cambodia oh. and now they came here. Yeah. And, and Laos. It's Laos mostly, I think. Um, I was going to say that Kulop, it sounds like, like there was a lot, like Kulop, I think her community of Laotians mm-hmm. All, we're in Minnesota, right? Yeah, I mean, I think like if you listen to her episode, there's some. Oh, I haven't. There's yet. an interesting crossover it's there probably, because those are yeah, yeah, those are her peeps, and um, and and so I asked the like completely cliche, like complete Anglo question of like how do how do cultures end up migrating to one type of community? Although right. I don't remember her saying anything about the history Mm -hmm. like of originally why which you just said but more just like your families follow families follow families it's like you hear back from your uncle that he settled and da 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 right that's absolutely i mean of course that's even true of like how the scots came and Mm -hmm. the you know the irish people came you can play footsie with me um (laughs) yeah but this was definitely you know know, running from horrible murdering yeah people (laughs) yeah who wanted to destroy them um it's, it is interesting that there's a, that that little pocket. I was going to ask too because of the because of China Basin, which is not particularly close to Chico, yeah. but there was so much Chinese internment and so such a huge Chinese population right. in San Francisco. Well, yeah, that's something like that we Chinese always forget about California and the West in general is that there were so many Chinese that came over, like in Chico, which does not have a, any significant Chinese population. There's still an area that was the old Chinatown, you know, in the 1870 or 40s, I guess, gold mm-hmm. rushy times, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and all the wall. In, in all of Northern California, there's these gorgeous rock walls and uh, they're about, you know, three feet high. And that's what they had instead of fences for cattle and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And those were all built by the migrant Chinese that were brought over. Isn't that so, so interesting? Yeah. What was I, I guess that reminds me too. And what you were talking about with the farming, with the Cambodian farmers and stuff, it just brought up a little bit of a, a little bit of a Malcolm Gladwell outliers thought mm-hmm. for me, which was that this idea that, that rice farmers are such better farmers than any other farmer because you have to work, you have to work year round. Yeah. The harder you work, the more rice and the harder you work, the more rice you get. And that as opposed to wheat, it's like, Oh, there's a storm. You, you starve. Yeah. And vegetables and fruits, like they have a season. Yeah. You don't really, you know, you just sort of like chill out when it's not season. That's the right season to, to till and plant. And boy, I really am outing myself as not being (laughs) much of an agriculturalist either. Um, uh, so did your parents kind of imbue that in you too about, cause I know you're vegetarian mm-hmm. about eat, I mean, were they vegetarians? Oh, no, or no. Um, not? I definitely got made fun of and <laughs> a lot by your but, family, yeah. your own family. Yeah. When did you become a vegetarian? Um, I think I was like 14 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, um, I had a friend who I thought was super cool and, and she was a vegetarian. I was like, Oh, you mean you can do that? <laughs> Yeah. Like I remember like clearing <laughs> remember clearing the dishes and like the chicken carcass and being like, "Oh, this is so gross." Which is weird cuz I'm fine with like dissecting stuff and yeah. like, you know, not being grossed out by that stuff. But something about if you're like, not putting it into your body. Yeah, but like says cooked, the person who fully eats chicken. Right. I'm pointing I'm literally pointing at my phone face right now, guys. Oh, poor yeah. baby chicken. Yeah, but yeah, I know. The, and you know, knowing animals and like, you know, like 
looking some beautiful cow in the eye and being like, sorry, I'm hungry. I know. <laughs> like, it's just I not, know. you know, you don't need it. You don't like there's definite health implications and, and stuff like that. And like, I just don't, you know, we don't need it anymore. Obviously 400 years ago, I wouldn't have been a vegetarian. Right. And in a hundred years, like I would feel like a big jerk for not being a vegan. But you know, right now I think that that's the most realistic, you know, thing for me anyway. But yeah, I definitely, but what about, but, of- but let you got to give a short pass to the girl who literally physically can't have soy right. dairy or right. gluten. No, you're, you're messed up. Give me a little something. <laughs> give me a little something. Cause I ain't eating no tofu or no, no. tempeh. <laughs> you have um, excuses. yeah. Uh, are tofu and tempeh the same thing? No. Oh, tempeh is the wheat. No. Tempeh is no. which one's like, which one's different the wheat? tofu. Wheat is, um, uh, the gluten one is like um, the garden and that kind of stuff, but is, uh, why am I blanking on that? I know I'm blanking on it too, because you have to have aphasia at least five times on this podcast. Okay. You've I'm, only had I it twice. It the worst. I'm like four, 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 four legs. It meows. Yeah. Oh, cat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got it. Teamwork. Um, yeah, it's gone. I know I am. Everyone too. knows. Everyone's I wanted to, I just keep saying garden, which is like a brand. <laughs> Satan. Satan. Thank you. Go. Um, it's listen. It's it's a great responsible thing to do. I applaud it. And you never, I never feel like you impose that on other people. Like in terms of, but I, you, you, yeah. you've totally seen me eat meat, and you've never oh, been yeah. like you're a monster. <laughs> and you know, I mean, there's, but I don't eat beef, guys, or pork. Sorry. Yeah. There's, and you know, anyone who's ever been to a factory farm is like gonna, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's people's ability to dissociate and like. Yeah, we're very good at it. I mean, yeah. in some ways, in some ways in our lives, I guess we sort of have to be. And then other ways we've conditioned ourselves to be because it just is yeah. easier. I mean, I eat a little cheese and that's from, you know, rape machine, like baby stealing. <laughs> like, I mean, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. That's true. I guess you have to go. And that goes back to conversations I've had on the podcast before that I will not put you through again, which are, <laughs> you know, where do you draw your own personal lines? And yeah. when is, I just was talking about that last week with Emma Bates. Like, when do you, when, if you went whole hog on everything that you find wrong with the world Oy. and, sh- and should you, right. or do you get to kind of decide what your boundaries are and what your own personal battles are that you're going to pick to fight and all that kind of stuff and yeah. find some small way to, make some sort of difference. Um, I want to get into the, uh, I wanted to get into this. I, this is a fu- funny question to ask you because you're not a mom, but I thought it would be fun to ask this to someone who isn't a mom. And then I can hold this question and get a different answer maybe, or the same answer. We'll see mm-hmm. from someone who is, but this is from, um, listener Mike, who is one Hi, of Mike. the wonderful, uh, gentlemen who has reached out about it. And, um, I would just like to say right away that he even does disclaim by saying, although I'm a 36-year-old male and perhaps not the audience you intended, Mike, again, know that you are (laughs) very much among friends. Um, And I love the way he put this. He said, I'm still someone who's trying to sort through all the detritus of my teenage years and how it led (laughs) to being the person I am today. Uh, And your guests all have some amazing perspectives. Um, And so he is... uh, his question for the JV club for the junior varsity section of the podcast, uh, Mike, nobody's saying that you are a junior varsity young woman. Um, 
Uh, he says, my wife and I have a wonderful little girl who is about to turn one. What advice do your guests have for how, as a father, I can contribute to helping her become a smart, independent, confident, funny, cool woman? So Mike could be that a, someone who has kids will give a different answer, but you can give the answer that you want to give based on your own experience as a young person and also kind of what you observe about parents today. And go. <laughs> it's so hard because, you know, the patriarchy is so ingrained in our culture and society and you're going to do things to mess her up and just have to accept that. But there was um, something on Twitter or Tumblr recently that was a little girl in a Darth Vader helmet with a pink tutu and like, like this cool shirt that she'd obviously made and been helped to make. And you know, it's a Darth Vader princess and, and like the headline was every little girl should be able to be Darth Vader and a princess at the same time. And I thought that was so cool. Yeah, that's great. So I think, you know, just like, especially you know, not discouraging her in STEM fields and things like that. And, and when things like, Oh, girls can't do that come up, you know, definitely jump right on that and say, you know, that's not true. Yeah. And, um, I think, yeah, cause it's hard, right? I mean, we, because we yeah. get socialized so much as young people, you're getting so oh, much input. So bad right. And they're, they're yeah, so because, they wanna, because they want to, because they want to understand. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like, and I know that there's like, actual physiological gender stuff that happens and i i'm not saying i don't accept that yeah. but i'm also saying that we we often scientifically think that something happens for a scientific reason until we find evidence that it doesn't <laughs> and then it is like yeah. everyone thought that black people were more dumb because of blah 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 it's right. like well that was considered quote-unquote science then Absolutely, so yeah, yeah so I, although i'm willing to accept that some of it may be physiological. Some of it may be part of the child's development in whatever general gender association they have, whether that be male, female, or trans, or right, you know right. whether whether sexuality starts to play a role, et cetera. But that you know, I think the kids just want to. They they really you go through that place where you just want to put everything in a box mm-hmm. so that it makes sense to you. And as adults, we don't we need to do the same things almost kind of in a different way, but we think we're being helpful, but really we're making those boxes even more and more small. Well, I mean, you hear, you hear women say to their kids like, Oh, you know, little boys don't do that. Or, you know, just horrible things like that. Like it's, it's just so ingrained in our culture and so gross. And like as a girl who, you know, was interested in science and stuff like that, I mean, it was everywhere. And I mean, Anything Did you, you think about becoming a scientist? Well, it or? was either archaeoparasitology or acting. <laughs> but <laughs> so they were both in the A's a, in the encyclopedia. Right. But that's not a real um, that's not a real career. So you'd have to get like five different degrees to make it up. Yeah, and I was like, I do not want to get tell, an MD. Will you tell me specifically <laughs> what you just said and what it means? <laughs> so the um, the archaeology of human parasitology. So like. I w- I'm really interested in like the sweat, which is um, a disease that killed um, so many people um, during like the Tudor reign in England. Like um, uh, Mary um, Anne Boleyn's sister's husband died of it. All these people died of it, and nobody knows what that disease was. So I think oh, like, figuring out what that is would be interesting. So people were talking about it historically, but nobody knew. Yeah, I mean, we what, all know that the in, sweat inside, killed yeah. all these people in the summers the in England. Can I be honest? Nobody, I don't know if I've ever heard that. Yeah, it's crazy. The and then, sweat. Yeah, and then like looking could it just at, have been a fever? I mean, you know, but what it was killing so many people, like in, like a like a virulent strain of like springtime influenza yeah, when everyone was it like, could have been. no one gets sick this time of year, right. and yet you were so you so you were like, but I I don't know. That's more of like a 
it's more like a winter thing. You'd be surprised that someone yeah. was hot in the winter. They don't know what it was. It out. And stuff like, you know, where did syphilis come from? There's all this, is it new world? Is it old world? And, and, um, you know, what crazy worm did this mummy have and stuff like that? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there's so many great, crazy worms out there that get there are, into and us. They change our behavior is the thing. Yeah. You must've loved Well, We talked about that and I'm sure, well, maybe I haven't brought it up, but man, that radio lab episode where you, oh, they were, did do one me, on them. Whatchamacallit starts with the C, uh, the cat. Yeah, poop. what's in yeah. cat poop um, and how it darn. like tells you, it like changes your that personality. That it makes you more likely to get eaten by a big cat. Yes. <laughs> or that it makes you more, it can make you more likely to like crash your car because mm-hmm. you start getting more like aggro and yeah. stuff. Um, that one and then also the the episode that's, I guess it's maybe all the same episode is the, is the guy that like, it's the, is it tapeworm or it's whatever gets into, you can, you can like step in it. It's in feces as well, but it helps allergies in a way oh, that yeah, nothing yeah. else does. Yeah. And so this guy like. And it's why they used to think that people in the South were slow is because no one, right. no one uh, used biffies or anything like that. And they would just walk on poop and get these worms and then be yeah. totally anemic. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just the parasites episode. Yeah. I think all three of those stories are that's part of the parasites one. There's episode. an awesome book by, um, by my science crush Carl Zimmer, um, yeah, <laughs> he's, on, he's on it all the time yeah, too. Parasite yeah. Rex, that's just amazing, and talks about these crazy things like fish who will flash their bellies to herons to get eaten, so that the herons will get the worm and then pass it to the snails, and like oh, it just and and it just changes your behavior, you know. And things. that goes back to like this the magic of science, yeah. so to speak. Um, Wow, that feels like I want to get into the mash stuff because <laughs> I want to come up with categories for you that are like really good edit categories. I wish that I would have known that I was going to be podcasting you today because I would have spent. I say that, but like I never end up spending time pre-planning uh, <laughs> mash categories because I'm 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 so interested in what's going to come up in conversation. But um, boy, this is not a good pen for no, this at all. Uh, I wonder if I have a slightly better one in here. But because um, one of the first things that I was yeah I was just thinking about like. There, there've got to be some categories for you that are like going to be so delightfully unique to you. Um, hold on, I'm going to try to find a pen. Maybe, maybe. I don't want to get up and go all the way over there. Mostly out of laziness. <laughs> I feel like I've used this exact pen before, so there's a stubbornness on my part. Maybe I should. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm going to start out with uh, the category of you discovered three things in the natural world okay. you're responsible for three ex- pre-existing things it was someone else that discovered them but in fact as of this next this upcoming future time will change and shift oh. and you will have become the person who discovered these three things one of these three things in the natural world and i have to pick those yeah okay um like like an a thing or like a- you're like you discovered the tapeworm that we just talked about right. or you discovered um a certain type of really cool cactus that you think is really awesome. And, and hmm. now it's going to become like, hmm. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, my dad actually grows these, the, um, the amorphophallus titanum, the corpse flower that is Ooh. from like Sumatra and is gigantic. And smells why like, is it called the corpse flower? Um, cause it smells like rotten <laughs> flesh. Amazing. Cause it's fly pollinated. So is that so? It, does it attract flies mm-hmm. by smelling like rotten flesh yep. to then pollinate or eat right, them as well? To pollinate it. Just it's just not carnivorous now. Purely to pollinate. <laughs> yeah. It's the smell of dead people. Yeah. And there's so many. Pollinate. There's so many. You know, plants that use that strategy. But this is a big, meaty one. A big smell. Yeah. So is that a actually, smell that you've been around because I actually haven't been there when it's been blooming. Um, but you know, I've smelled other. 
corpse flowers. <laughs> so I know it's corpse season. And they really do smell like rotting meat. And I think there's one at the Huntington. I think Davis has one. There's one in another university like South Carolina or something. But they just recently started to be able to grow these. So like it. it's been like a huge deal when one the blooms. It's like every three years. Or something. Of course. <laughs> so, yeah. um, okay, Which means so I would have to be flower. like troping around. Uh, that's not a word. You're troping, so you're. So you, well, I, so I would have been have trope if you're talking about language, right? I would right? have to tromp around yeah. Sumatra. <laughs> so okay, so that's Sumatra. Yeah, love it. Okay, um, two. Um, maybe no one noticed the Grand Canyon before. Great. Listen, that's a great you guys, one. Guys, there's a really big. Guess pole. what I? St- guess what? I, I was just troping around, and <laughs> there it was. Oh, I love it. Grand Canyon's a goodie. I haven't been back there in far too been long. Ever. Far too long. I've done, I want to do like the hike. Have you ever done like the no. hike down into it? No. I mean, I have no excuse. I'm from Arizona right. and I went to school at NAU. Gabe would no never excuse. do it. He doesn't like heights. So I would okay. have to, maybe we'll, we'll do it. Uh, yeah, I would <laughs> do it. Him. I totally would. And like camp out at the bottom mm-hmm. or take like a raft ride on the Colorado. That would be neat. Yeah. A manageable raft ride. I don't right. know if I'm ready to break for like white, yeah. white rapids right now. I'd but. wear a helmet, but I wouldn't want to have to need it. There you go. That's what. I there you go. Like like me in life, I yeah. just wear a helmet every day right. in every in every situation. I we know, should. right? I when when they get when transparent aluminum really comes around, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then we can all wear our helmets all the time we'll and not look like nerds. A race of helmet yeah. people, and our hair won't get messed up in the wind because they'll be. You're so right. <laughs> but we'll all have helmet heads. <laughs> yes, helmet hair heads. Okay, uh, Grand Canyon, great choice. Okay, um, how about um. How about uh, blood transfusion? Mm-mm. Yeah, before that, which my, we were just all yeah. screwed. Which my favorite book, which I want to adapt so bad, but I'm almost too old to play the girl. Um, it's called uh, An Instance of the Finger Post, and it's this crazy um, book that is in four sections, and it's sort of that unreliable narrator thing, which fools you every time because mm-hmm. you're like, well, they were lying to me. Yeah. <laughs> And, and all of them are, you know, but it's, it's about like the early, early blood transfusions and stuff like that. Wait, so each and book murder. is like told from a different perspective? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So there's four different people who are telling, and one of them's like this jackass, you know, rapist like guy. And then there's the poor girl who's, and then, you know, some other people in, and Interesting. It, it's really good. And I'd love to make a movie of it, but. Well, yeah. you can still do it even if you're too old to play That's the true. what's-her-face. <laughs> Side note, and this is taking things way back into pop culture, but do you ever struggle with like, because there are shows that I love that are narrated shows. Mm-hmm. Love is a strong word. There are shows that I like or that I've enjoyed or even just that I watch now out <laughs> of habit that involve a narrator, a first-person narrator who is the primary person, like, like Sex, Sex in the, in the City? City or Dexter. Okay, yeah. And I noticed, for some reason, I didn't notice it as much on, like, Sex and the City, there's more of a, you know why? Because Sex and the City talks about things in the past tense, so it's almost like she found out about it later, so that's why she's able to narrate about right, it. Right, right. But Dexter gives his voiceover in present tense, first person present tense, but yet we see things that are happening on the show that he's unaware of. And it's I've always never thought about bothered that. me. It's always bothered me. I've always been like, wait, if he's telling this <laughs> from the perspective of it's unfolding before his eyes, why am I able to see this stuff that he doesn't I, see that he just I've isn't always, narrating that I've part? I've always felt like when we're with him, he talks to us and when we're not, it's And I'm sure world. that's the answer. Yeah. That would be the answer of the showrunner as well. But it's always bothered me. It's been like, don't tell me as you're like, I'm looking in this place. And we're like, but we already I know. know. 
because we, we saw it. that the body's not going to be you there. Seen, you've seen Peep Show, right? Mm-mm. The sitcom. It's um the guys who did that Mitchell and Webb look. Okay, it. and it's it's awesome. But it's um write it down. the the convention is that uh that we hear their inner monologue, but it's both of them. Uh huh. So the, so it's a POV shot of one guy, and he's talking about how much of a horrible person he is, and then we see the other guy, and he's talking about how much of a horrible person he is, and it's just delightful to to switch That's cool. back and forth like that. Yeah. Okay, it's I gotta really watch Peep Show. That's for sure. I think it's um, on instant. Speaking of, uh, I just did uh, Living in a Movie with Emma Bates, but I'm going to say Live in a Historical BBC Anything. <sighs> Doesn't have to be history based, but it takes place. Yeah. And this is suspending all of the diseases that ravage everyone okay. and da 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 da. This is just like complete imaginary. No You're a child who happens to not even know what syphilis is, which probably wasn't who edited divine right. little. We edited divine probably already knew that, but suspect pulling out every negative and just focusing on the positive. Maybe vanity fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although I, I think that's one of those um, difficult books where like you're totally with her, but she's also horrible. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's like one of the that's one of the earlier kind of like cable star characters that we have now, right? It's one of the earlier like, I kind of hate this person, but I still they're still the protagonist because Don Draper is a jerk. Correct. As is Walter as is like everybody who's like really big on on Showtime and AMC and stuff. Um, What about the Pride and Prejudice with with uh, Colin Firth that we both? Yeah, uh, yeah. But I think something about because I went, I didn't even go into book. I I literally went into like BBC like television just before like the lushness of like Jane Eyre is my favorite favorite. But it's her aunt, like the Bronte sisters and Jane Austen are so aware and make present the boringness of female life. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's true. I think that really like has steeped into my bones with those stories. Like just, it's so boring. All you can do is learn to draw. Yeah. Like, and learn write a German. book. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I just crossed, I, I wrote Pride and Prejudice, but I just crossed it oh, back I'll off take again. It. I'll take okay. it. Now I'm adding it back in. <laughs> and what's a third one that because I'm not going to force you into? Field, so. Yeah. There you go. Another one. Um, or you could create a whole world where like you live as a man until you blow everyone away by revealing... Oh gosh, I'm trying to. Um, well, let's do. Um, is is Harry Potter period enough? Oh, listen, I'll throw that in there. I don't think that counts as a BBC because historical I think I'd be a really thing. Good witch. I love putting you into the Harry Potter world a hundred percent. Harry Potter, and I think like alive. Frida Skeeter and I would like pretend to like each other, but it wouldn't. You know, you're nice. Oh, yeah. To each other. And then you'd be like, oh, that woman. Your inner monologue would yeah. be how, what a horrible woman right. she was. Right. And maybe hers would be about you, too. I don't know. You probably wouldn't Although be Although mosquitoes love me, so maybe she'd be like trying to get in my oh, inner circle. Yeah. Mosquitoes know. love me, too. Yeah. We must be delicious. And there were all those articles so. lately about how it's just because your skin stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I happen to have great smelling skin. Great smelling skin, all. Um, what about three pets that you could never, ever, ever really have for any reason at all, but that you would have if you could? Um, dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What whale would be a good whale? I'd, I'd killer whales are really scary yeah they might uh, what if it turned on you like a like a pit yeah, bull the yeah. pit bull of the sea the pit bull of the sea um hmm like um 
like a smaller, like whatever the smallest baleen whale is. So just put whale. <laughs> I'm putting mini whale. Mini whale. Okay, wonderful. And um, how about a woolly mammoth? Ooh, very good. Woolly mammoth. Okay, uh, one occult-like, like you need to name three, but you'll end up with one occult-like power. So it's not that, it's it's more of the like the occult slash maybe some telekinesis thrown mm-hmm. in there, but it's not like you can't teleport, you can't fly. It's not fly. superhero stuff. It's, it's not superhero. It's more it's magic, mind, magic. mind reading right. slash, you know, the powers of being able to maybe move something with your mind um, would be, I would say, the extreme. Let's see. Hmm. Well, if ghosts were real, which they're not, um, mm-hmm. then talking to them. <laughs> yep, talking to ghosts. So medium. Um, yeah. Um, How come it's see. called a medium? I don't know. Because you're mediating. Never mind. Oh, that that's couldn't a, have been exactly more clear. why. It's because I was thinking of it in terms of sizes <laughs> right. instead of like what it actually hilarious. I'm just thinking of all the weird um, medium stuff, like the, how they would hide cheesecloth in their oh, vaginas. It's so and stuff. Yeah, speaking of, shout out to uh, Mary Roach and her book Spook. Oh, so good. Which I borrowed from Gavinetta when I was working so on uh, an idea that I'm still working on. <laughs> I'll be working on forever. Um, well, you should get her. She does. Um, she does press sometimes. Oh, you know what? She, I, this is a sad story. It's not really a story. Um, I thought that she lived in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and I contacted her publicist, set up and confirmed an interview, told gate, sent directions to my house and then was, and then they somehow didn't even notice the directions that I sent were in Los Angeles. So they said, Mary's, um, Mary is super excited to do it, but we do need you to come to her studio instead. But they said it almost like we all assumed that we were all right. in the same place. Oh, they continued no. to assume that. So when they gave me her address and it was in like <laughs> San Francisco, I wrote back and was like, Oh, there's been a horrible misunderstanding. I don't live in San Francisco. So I'm going to go up and do it with her. Like yeah. when, you know, oh, the good, next time good. I'm up there and I have some That's extra awesome. time, but yeah, it was, it was, like i was like floating on a cloud for about a day while i thought that mary roach was going to be doing my podcast and then it that's turned always out my that, terror like, going anywhere like someone's like hey come over to for dinner and i'm like i get to the door and then i'm like t- terrified that it's the wrong day so i have to like go hide in a bush and triple check my phone yeah and, like like going to a party and like if there's other people like walking around the neighborhood and obviously cars parking them i just get this like sense of relief like this massive yeah. relief that i'm not the right dong, place right hey. day yeah. yeah and then I the did look, show up like, at someone's house i came over i was a hundred percent right in that i thought i was supposed to be at bruce mccullough's house one night <laughs> um and he was a hundred percent sure that it wasn't and we were both right in the sense that we just completely it was that thing where I guess I was more right. Not that it matters because <laughs> I had like, because the email that I sent him was the day before and mm-hmm. he answered me the next day. Oh, so it was like, a so tomorrow it was like he thing. thought it was tomorrow, but his answer to me was came in that morning. Right. And so it was like, see you for dinner or whatever. Yeah. And so I showed up there and he was in his PJs, <laughs> like chilling with his beautiful wife <laughs> And I fully showed up. And by the way, I rode my bike there and they live oh, no. at the top of Mulholland. <laughs> so I came in like covered in sweat. It was like the hardest bike ride ever. And I get there and he's like, it's tomorrow. And I was like, no, it's tonight. And then we figured out what had happened. And I sat with them for like 20 minutes and just talked. And they're adorable and sweet and wonderful. 
but um, I've fully done it. Oh, I've done it. It's my nightmare. I've made your nightmare come true for myself. What okay. was the question? <laughs> uh, okay, so far we just have medium. Okay, um, let's go with the... Uh, um, hmm. Uh, a little telekinesis is a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. I guess holding your breath underwater is superhero-y, huh? Um, yeah, I mean, that's more of a... Yeah. Know, what are what are some other medium-y um, I would say I would include astral projection. Oh, I would include um, mind reading. Yeah. At will. Not necessarily that you always right. have yeah, to mind, do Yeah, let's do mind reading. Okay. So I feel like if I could do astral projection, I'd get stuck like working the light board at community theaters without, <laughs> that didn't have light boards. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd be mm-hmm. like, lights up. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> There's one of my favorite books when I was younger. It was called Stranger With My Face. And it is an awesome book that is listen, I don't know if it holds up, but <laughs> it is about a girl who um, is, ha- turns out she has a twin sister and they both come from this. I mean, it's it's probably, it's probably not even PC at right. this point, but they both were, come from this tribe that believes that this Native American tribe that believes in astral projection and they can in fact astral project, but her sis, they were separated at birth and adopted out, but her sister like stayed in the system and this main character like has a beautiful life mm-hmm. somewhere. And, um, and her sister visits her in astral projection form. I totally tried to get the rights to this, by the way, visits her in astral projection form to teach her how to astral project. And then she astral projects out of her body and her sister jumps into her body and like takes over. And so her only option is to either be like just her soul trapped in the outer world, like in the world, but no one can see her or be in her sister's body. Who's like at this point in an insane asylum or something. It's such a great juicy teenage story. Yeah. Okay. So those are all really good. Mm hmm. Um, I'm going to give you, this is, um, okay, I'm going to give you three real life places that you can have your uh, second home anywhere in the world. Okay. Um, Hallstatt, Austria. Mm-hmm. Um, London. And um, since I need a first one, um, I'll say the Franklin Hills and then I'll come oh, my apartment. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Since I need a first one. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, listen. It's got, I'm, I'm taking it. I don't want to finish with this, so I'm going to bring it in now because it's very painful for me to do because I do love Gabe Diani. He might be like my all-time favorite guy ever. Other boys? Um, yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to ask you for crushes. Okay. Um, Carl Zimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, gosh. Um... And you can go fictitious too. Like if yeah. you want to, if you want to bust out like not David Tennant, but like the right. doctor David right. Tennant, I'm totally fine with that. He looks so much like Gabe that <laughs> <laughs> you might as well switch out for something yeah. less like the model you already have. And I always, I always feel like, um, I don't know something about, cause I'm a fan of like the old doctor who a lot more and, you know, have been watching it forever. And, yeah. and, um, and I feel like that they did such an amazing job of not sexualizing the doctor ever. Good point. That now that he is more sexualized, I'm always offended. I understand Like that. when the companions are in love with him, I'm like, come on. I understand that. That's a time lord. You don't get to point him. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get it. That totally makes sense to me. All right. Um, Wesley Crusher. That's great. Which having uh, friends who are friends with Will Wheaton just mm-hmm. makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's a different, it's, well, a, it's a whole different person. It is a whole different you person. You didn't say Will Wheaton, you said Wesley Crusher. It's yes. different. Okay. Uh, David Bowie. Nicely done. That's a very robust <laughs> list. I'm very proud of you. Um, 
I gotta I go hope old. Carl school. Zimmer feels really flattered. Um, yeah, I'm, listen, I'm gonna reach out to him. There's gotta <laughs> be a way for me to get in touch with that guy. Um, okay, I'm going old school on this one because I know that you enjoy food uh, with the same relish, pun intended, mm-hmm. that I do. So I'm going with the classic three foods, much as you want, no consequences, no negative oh. consequences whatsoever. Um, burritos from Tacos Day in Chico. Which anyone who's ever been drunk in Chico will know, uh-huh. even though I prefer them regardless of alcohol content of me. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, cheese, if it's not mm-hmm. from rape machines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, sugar. Wouldn't it be great to be able to eat sugar? Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because that is how I feel every time I take a cheat night now is I look at things. People tease me so much because of what my cheat nights are, but I'm like, you don't understand. Well, see, you have 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 real consequences. Like, well, yeah, but I I have no consequences other than my weight. But like sugar, but like sugar is sugar. And I want to be able to eat. Like I was looking, I had a cheat night last night and I was, it was in uh, locally and I was looking at this cho- this gluten-free chocolate chip cookie dough. It was soy-free, Ooh. dairy-free, gluten-free chocolate chip cookie dough. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, I, I want that. That's what I want. And then I thought, I will have two bites and I will feel sick mm-hmm. and that will ruin my cheat night. Yeah. So instead, I got the coconut and banana <laughs> puree that had some brown rice in it. <laughs> like that was like a sad pudding with a little bit of agave, which I'm yeah. also not supposed to have. So the cheat was like agave. Right. Cause it kind of upsets my stomach, but at least like the glycemic index is low or right. what have you. I don't know. Um, no, it's high cause it's all for hot. I, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Well, see, I probably shouldn't yeah. have it. And by the way, I had two bites of that and, and still felt sick. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Sugar. I mean, straight up. I get it. Cause that goes in all kinds of stuff. Totally I mean, ice cream it. is my real, what, what was I, I'll, I'll trade out cheese for ice cream. Okay. Cause I could eat that for breakfast every day. Yeah. Let's face it. Ice cream is a really, really good invention. Ice cream and pizza are as good yeah. as they, as their oh, reputations. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's a lot of good stuff out there. I like the specificity yeah. of burritos from tacos day though. Maybe, maybe you could change out, um, pizza with sugar because the sugar you're getting from your from ice, ice cream. cream. Done. Done. We struck a hard bargain, but we did it. (laughs) Um, And what about uh, three qualities about uh, three qualities that you would like to have more of uh, or less of in yourself? Like, I just thought to myself, I wish I were a more patient person when I was thinking that that's Mm -hmm. what brought it up for me. Um, Well, you are so good with people like Oh, that's very nice of you to say. Like everyone likes you. And- oh, that's definitely not true. <laughs> don't like go, don't ever go on the internet if you want to continue believing that. Well, um, but like you're really good with like going into a room and like you know talking to people. And I don't know if like in your heart you're comfortable or not, but you definitely like seem like you are. So I think yeah. that would be a good okay because I'm terrible at that. Like so Gabe and I'll go like, to a party and talk to each just other. Just like casual social. Yeah. The funny thing is, and you know this about me, is that I avoid those situations. I'm comfortable (laughs) when I'm in them, but my desire to be in them is quite low. Right. So it's like if someone really wants me to go to a party with them, I'll go and I'll seem like the life of the party. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, I know that five minutes before I left, I was like, oh my God, I would love to just be at home, like looking at the stars with my dog. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, Okay. So uh, casual social skill kind of stuff. Got it. Um, Maybe... um 
like more f- can physical stuff be in there sure why not um better physical skills like um you know i took ballet and like stuff like that but you know i i can't spot to save my life and yeah like it would be- so just like maybe a general kind of grace and dexterity yeah. in your body yeah. okay i wish i had more of that too and um i don't know whenever like people talk about humans and running and how we're like the best at it and and that's not my my experience at all yeah <laughs> like i'd like to be able to you know like we're better runners than dogs like dogs will die if they run with us cuz they can't pant and gallop at the same time yeah and um that's good to know yeah i mean you can run with him a little bit i'm you know yeah but like for long distances. oh i don't take him anymore because yeah. he's so old but this right. new dog that i'm getting which guys i'll tell you about sometime oh, she's so cute um but yeah like the ability to to long distance run okay cool because I, I used that. to run but i and everyone's like oh you learned to love it i never loved any second of it not one second yeah i on the other <laughs> hand loved running and my body did give out right. like neck going knees yeah. going i gotta get on the bike that's yeah. all i got now um okay tell me when to stop and stop oh this is a fun one because i did lines instead of a circle <laughs> one two three four five six seven eight niner niner okay pausing returning with guaranteed 100 percent gonna happen future <laughs> okay a uh, lot of good stuff to report in on here a lot of good stuff um Okay, first of all, I just want to let you know that you're going to have to keep your apartment here because you are not moving to Franklin Hills anytime soon. However, you do enjoy a mansion in Austria, Hallstatt, Austria, if memory serves, and if I can read my own handwriting. Um, So that's kind of wonderful. Um, Also, if that's not enough of an escape for you, I want you to know that you can enjoy immersing yourself into the world of Harry Potter. Excellent. Which is like almost that's specify, better than Franklin Hills. I did specify that I'm not a muggle, right? Yeah, you're definitely not a muggle. Okay. You're definitely not a muggle. Well, uh, I have a lot of studying to do. Yeah, you do have a lot of studying to do. Maybe that's something that just comes to you automatically. Right. Or maybe you don't need to study that much because when you're in a room with someone and they know all the stuff, you can read their mind... So if I become BFF with McGonagall... Oh, yeah. You'll have access to all of her knowledge. Okay, great. So that's the thing. You don't have to study because you have constant access to everyone else's knowledge. However, you yourself are responsible for realizing and uh, putting into practice blood transfusions. that was good. You didn't take that knowledge from anyone else. That just came of your own uh, ability and skill. I mean, it's kind of obvious. Yeah. I mean, you lose blood, you're dying. Let's get some more blood. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) It's just that simple, guys. Come on. Think. Think. I'm knocking my fist on my head. Um, uh, I think what's also cool is that of all of the three animals that you were interested in, I would say that based on what we know about them, one of them being fictitious, (laughs) you picked the one that would be most interesting to be able to mind read because you got yourself a mini whale, young lady. Yeah, you got a little mini whale. I'm not sure where that whale lives, but I guess maybe in your moat in Austria or (laughs) it lives with you in the Harry Potter world. There is a big lake. Well, there you go. Uh, That whale's going to be so happy, that lake. (laughs) Um, 
what else can I tell you? I can tell you that you are very good in a social environment. Excellent. Well, witches need that skill. And I think that ties into mind reading too a little bit too. It kind of makes sense that you would be like, I know what people want to hear and I just give it to them. There you go. And you can do it at will. So if you don't want to listen to what someone thinks about you because it hurts your feelings, you don't have to listen to that. I've decided. That's good. Um, uh, I want to reassure you that at any time when you are craving a little Mexicano food, ah, you can eat as many burritos from Taco Stay as great. you want. That's great news. And you are sharing this marvelous new life <laughs> with none other than Mr. Wesley Crusher. Hey. So hearty congrats. I do have problems with the whole um, like leaving Starfleet for to live with the Native American planet thing. Like I thought that was a little... Well, but you know, he is really good at, you know, like transporting without a ship and stuff. So like yeah. maybe he can get us to Hallstatt. We wouldn't have to fly. Yeah, I think that's entirely possible. Right. And listen, no relationship's perfect. That's so true. you aren't always going to agree with his decisions. <laughs> but I think we can both agree that this is a pleasure. <laughs> Etta, thank you so much for doing thank the you. podcast. Um, reminder, guys, check out the selling. Check out Huckleberry Finn Robotic Edition. Uh, and stay tuned for more reports and updates on the Kickstarter campaign to make uh, Dionne and Divine meet the apocalypse. That's, I would like I just to want see to say Dionne and Divine meet the apocalypse, too. The apocalypse. The, the, apocal- the apocalypse. What is the those word are, trying to think of? Those are the... Where oh. all the gods live the the in Greek in Rome. Oh, uh, oh God. <laughs> the the apocalypse. Ap- ap- ha- <laughs> the ap- <acoxcolypse>. Yeah. <laughs> They live in an ellipses. Yes. <laughs> and now I'm going to end this uh, podcast with an ellipses. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.